Thank you, praise team, for leading us. And in that prayer to be heard from heaven, we'll come together around God's word this morning from Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And one of our first prayers will be, before the reading of the word, is for the Holy Spirit to move among us that the scriptures may be alive and active, as Hebrews 4.12 says, and that they may be well and richly dwell among us as God's people. We're continuing in our Back to Basics sermon series, covering just those main stories of the Old Testament and keeping an eye out for the ways in which they point us towards Jesus and in which they speak on their own accord to how God was at work in the world. In Exodus 2, 1 through 10, this is the story of Moses, of his birth. And just to know the context that we land in before we read God's word today is that the Israelites, the Hebrew people, have been in Egypt, they have been in captivity, and Pharaoh has grown to be afraid of them. And so he has given an order that that every Hebrew boy born should be thrown into the Nile River to die. The girls may live but the boys must be thrown into the river. This is the world that Moses was born into. But we're going to pick up at Exodus 2, 1 through 10, with the birth of Moses. But before we do so, let's pray for God's blessing upon the word. Lord, hear us from heaven as we call to you. As we ask for you to speak into our hearts, into our lives, As we ask you to illumine our minds through your word, speak to us today, O God. Speak to us your truth. Dwell with us richly in love. Renew us by your Holy Spirit. And all of this, both in this service, in this scripture, in the songs that we sing, in all of this, may it be a path that leads us back to you. And so open the scriptures to us this morning, that we may be led back to you every hour of every day. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. I'm going to read Exodus 2, 1 through 10. At the end of the reading, I will say, this is the word of the Lord, and if you are grateful for it, I invite you at home or here to respond with saying, thanks be to God. Exodus 2, beginning at verse 1. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. 
Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Drawn out. Moses was drawn out of the water. Have you ever experienced something that felt a little bit drawn out? Maybe this week, perhaps, um, feeling a little bit drawn out. Election day turning into election week. Maybe this year has just felt drawn out. Lingering. Ongoing. Like being in a traffic jam and there's permanent static on your radio. Things can be drawn out in ways that test our patience. Things can be drawn out in ways that make us petty and agitated. Often when we say, well, this is drawn out, we're talking about how something has gone on for too long. That's drawn out in the sense of time. There's another type of drawn out that particularly matters for us this morning. And it was that Moses was drawn out of the water and that Pharaoh's daughter named him accordingly, Moses, for I have drawn him out of the water. It's always been uh, kind of funny to me that, that, that Moses' mother, in her desperation and in her cleverness, did put Moses in the Nile. The boys were supposed to be thrown into the Nile to die, and Moses' mother could not do this. She could not part with her child, so she did put him in the Nile, but she put him in a basket first. She followed the letter of the law, but not the spirit of it. And Pharaoh's daughter, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, the one who commanded the babies to be thrown in the Nile in the first place. Pharaoh, the enemy of the Israelites. Pharaoh's own daughter was the one who intervened in the life of Moses and drew him out of the water. Moses was drawn out not only of the water of the Nile, but Moses was drawn out of certain death into life. Moses was drawn out of an infanticide and brought to a palace. Moses was drawn out of being either a slave or a dead child, and he was instead brought to be the daughter of Pharaoh. Moses was drawn out as an act of rescue. And the way I've always read this text, and in studying it more, I am more convinced that Miriam, Moses' sister, and Pharaoh's daughter kind of orchestrated this whole thing with a wink and a nod. It was the compassion of Pharaoh's daughter, the daughter of the wicked one who had compassion on that Hebrew baby, and then looks around and sees a random Hebrew girl who's been following this basket. Coincidence? I don't think Pharaoh's daughter is so naive. 
ah, and you just happen to know someone who could nurse this child, who's maybe given birth to a child um, about the same amount of months that this kid is old? Huh, well, how about that? Moses was drawn out. And in that way, the entire family was drawn out. Moses' mother, instead of losing her child, is now getting paid, now getting paid to care for her own child. And knows not only did Moses survive, but Moses will be drawn out of the slavery and oppression that all of the people of Israel are under. And he will be drawn out of that to become a prince, a prince of Egypt. Drawn out, rescued, saved, brought out from the waters of death so that he could have life. Friends, there's lots of things that we could say about Moses, but, but don't pass up on this beautiful moment in which who Moses is and that he was drawn out points us towards another rescuer, and that rescuer is Jesus. Moses was drawn out for the purpose, not only of his own life being preserved, but that he would draw the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Moses was drawn out of the water of the Nile, and he would draw the people of Israel together, and he would lead them out over the Red Sea into the wandering, but eventually Joshua would lead the people, draw them out through another set of waters across the Jordan into the promised land. Moses was drawn out, not just for his own life, but because his life had a purpose to draw out others and to rescue them, to rescue them from death and oppression and to give them life and life abundant. And it was Jesus, the good shepherd, who said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. And Moses points us towards Jesus. Not that Moses is Jesus, but a pattern begins to emerge of how God goes about rescuing people and drawing them out of where they are into something better. Moses is fully Hebrew and fully Egyptian. Fully Hebrew. He was born a Hebrew of the tribe of Levi. Genetically, he is Hebrew. He would look like a Hebrew person of the time. But... He's also fully Egyptian. He's going to be raised not in the slums, but in the palace. He's going to grow up not just making bricks for construction for the, for the Pharaoh's endeavors, but he's going to be raised and educated as an Egyptian. He's going to eat Egyptian food. He does know that he is a Hebrew. The continuation of the story tells us that. But where we are right now is the simple fact that Moses was completely Hebrew, and he was adopted to be completely Egyptian. He is both and. That points us towards Jesus as the rescuer who draws us out, because Jesus is fully God and fully human. Jesus was completely human, just as you and I are completely human. Jesus was everything that we are, and Jesus was fully God, fully perfect and powerful and divine and righteous, because God brings together these paradoxes. Moses can capture a little bit of that paradox, being fully Egyptian and fully Hebrew. Jesus 
embodies a much greater paradox that we can't quite wrap our minds all the way around. But God takes Moses and draws him out so that he can draw out the Hebrew people. Jesus came down both as the the Lord of the cosmos and the suffering servant, combining both power and submission and humility all in one. Because it would take a rescuer who is both fully powerful and fully humble, fully human, fully divine. Moses points us in the direction of Jesus in that he has that dual identity. Moses would rescue the people from Egypt. Jesus would rescue us from our sins and from our salvation. Moses would lead the people towards the promised land. Jesus would say, my kingdom is coming here. And I'm asking you to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus and Moses were both rescuers. And this is God's pattern time and time again, is to rescue us. To rescue us and to save us in the ways that we need saving. To rescue and save us in ways that are surprising and unexpected. And in ways that combine power and humility, which are almost a paradox of opposites for us. And God brings them together to draw out God's purposes. Friends, Jesus the perfect rescuer, the Savior, as fully divine and fully human, came down from the throne room of heaven to be born into a manger. And when Jesus came to rescue us, Jesus rescued us from our sins. He rescued us from death, not just death here on earth, but, but, but rescuing out us permanent death into permanent life. Jesus rescues us from when the troubles of the world seem overwhelming, when there's just too much going on in our life. Jesus rescues us and says, my kingdom is even beyond this world. When we are worn out, when we're at the end of our rope because things have been drawn out for too long, it is Jesus who reminds us where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I'm asking you to put your treasure in heavenly places so that your heart may be drawn up towards heaven because I want to rescue you from all of the stress, from all of the overwhelm, from the floodwaters of the Nile that that overcame the children thrown into it, the floodwaters of this world, of its stressors and of its anxiousness and of its existential dread. Jesus means to rescue us from all of that. Not in a way that asks us to turn our face away from the world. Not in a way that makes us ignore the world's problems. But to say the best is yet to come and that there is more to life than just what you see here. How do we celebrate this? How how do we follow a Savior who means to draw us out? But we're still here. We're still stressed. We've still got all the problems waiting for us this afternoon or tomorrow, whenever it is. It's all still here. How do we learn from someone like Moses who was drawn out by none of his own doing other than to remember that we'll celebrate baptism next week with the Redders? That those children are are rescued because we're drawn out of the waters through Jesus. 
How do we practice this? How do, how do we put it in part of our life rhythm to be drawn out in a way that doesn't make us ignorant of the world, but also that does not subject us to the ways in which the world will exhaust us and chew us up and spit us out? From Moses to Jesus. Well, Moses, later in life, is going to go up on a mountain and bring down the Ten Commandments. And one of those is to keep the Sabbath holy. To keep the Sabbath holy. And that is the best practice of being drawn out from all of life's overwhelming problems to be drawn out for a day. To take a step back. To take a deep breath. To be drawn out back into God's presence. To remind ourselves that, that the Lord our God rested on the seventh day as a template for us to live our lives. To remember that one of the ways in which the Israelites celebrated that they were liberated was that they were no longer slaves that had to work seven days a week constantly for that was all that they were worth. But rather now they were given this gift of a day of rest. They were given a break. They were given a breather. And they were given this breather so that they could be brought back to God, so that they could remember that they were drawn out from Egypt not to go somewhere else and keep living their lives the same way. They were drawn out of Egypt so that they could still work hard, so that they could still use their gifts, but that they would have a day of rest, a day dedicated to restoring their souls in God's presence. That is how we practice our drawn-outness, following the law of Moses in the spirit of the living Jesus Christ. We practice Sabbath. And that is not a day off of work so that we can stress ourselves out with other things. I don't think Sabbath was meant for arguing on social media. I don't think Sabbath was meant to make ourselves more tired. And I don't think Sabbath is the thing that God looks down and says, when you don't take Sabbath, I'm really disappointed in you. I think when we don't take Sabbath rest, I think God looks down and says, ah, can't you do it my way? Wouldn't you be so much better if you could find time to rest and breathe in me, to live into Psalm 46.10, to be still and know that the Lord is God. We are called to be people who are drawn out to rest because the problems of the world will be waiting for us whenever our rest is over, but we will be refreshed to meet them yet again, not on our own strength and not out of our own fatigue, but after resting, we come back and say, I have restored my soul in God's presence, and I'm ready to do it again. In Consistory this year, we've been reading Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. The idea is you probably can't claim to be spiritually healthy if you're not emotionally healthy. We could talk more about that later if you'd like. But uh, this past week, and you can quiz any Consistory member here to make sure they did the reading, um, Sabbath, um, I just saw Chris Rossich kind of shuffle in his seat. I, I think he did his reading, so. Um, sorry, you were just the closest one for me to pick on. That's mean. Steve's actually closer, but he wasn't in my line of sight at the time, so. Um, my bad. It's been a couple weeks. I'm, I'm still getting back in my rhythm here. But, but there is an example of Sabbath given 
in the book, this past week's chapter, about Sabbath, about coming back to God. You ever feel like you've been at the end of your rope when you're just overwhelmed? You better hope that your rope is anchored to the right place that you can follow it back. The example is this. Back in the days of homesteaders on the Midwest and in the Great Plains, there would be all kinds of different storms, but particularly blizzards, where you wouldn't be able to see anything. Some of you can reminisce about such blizzards, where you can't find your way. And a rope would be tied from someone's house to their barn, so that when they had to go out and do chores, if they couldn't even see, they would be able to follow the rope to their place of work. And when they were done working, they could follow the rope back to safety, back to home, back to refuge, back to rest. We need this rope to be tied between all of our work and our mission and our vocation. Whether your job is something that you love or it feels like a placeholder, we need to have a rope tied between that and Sabbath rest in God's presence so that we remember to lead ourselves back to it. So if your stress is about politics or the election or work or COVID or, 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 the list is immeasurably long. I would simply ask, in following the line of Moses who is drawn out, where's the other end of your rope tied to? Do you have the ritual and practice in place to rest and refresh in God's presence. And in the seasons where it can't be a full day because, quote-unquote, the ox is in the well, so to speak, that's an Old Testament allusion to when people could do things on the Sabbath, is there a minute of the hour that you can take a breath? Is there one chunk of at least one day, whether it be a morning or an afternoon, that can be to rest in God's presence? Because, friends, this world will challenge us and put us at the end of our rope. And our rope needs to be tied to the other end. It needs to be anchored. And it needs to be anchored and rooted in these practices of Sabbath. Moses was drawn out so that he could fulfill God's purpose for him. We are drawn out by Jesus through the blood of the Lamb so that we also can be the ones who walk and draw out others but we will not do it if we are not rested and anchored in the right ways and in the right places. Friends, you are drawn out. Practice your life in such a way that reminds you who you are, whose you are, and that you too have been drawn out not by Pharaoh's daughter, but by Jesus, the good shepherd himself, who calls us to him. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.